Thank you, Pastor, for letting me preach. It's always a privilege to be able to preach God's Word. I always look forward to it. <clears throat> we had something very special happen this week at our place. We live out on the country area. Uh, our neighbor uh, bought a little pot-bellied pig, and they thought, and they got it home. It was a wild boar. And uh, he was a little gray, little gray fella, wasn't very big. Hair stood up on the back of his neck like he was mad at the world. And so he'd come over to our place, and I got two little guys, uh, my great-grandsons. And so he'd come over, and so they would act like a Comanche Indian or something and get to holler at him and run him back home. And that went for a while. And then one day, that hog came over. He's getting a little bigger now. And he stood his ground, and he didn't run. And so I told the boys, you leave that hog alone, he's getting ready to, he's getting ready to take, take you boys on. And so anyway, I told the guy, I said, you got to keep that thing uh, pinned up. And uh, he's chewing our grass up and rooting it all up anyway. So they did. Wasn't long before they got married. And uh, <clears throat> they had this little pig named, Lu he was named Louie. And so they had him trained a little bit. But anyway, they had him in this pen when the wedding took place over there and everything, and so they got ready to, for the ring, and uh, they opened this cage, and here comes Louie with a pillow on it, with his ring on his back and everything, and they rattled the food pan, and here he came. And so that went through that way. I'd never been in a wedding like that before. But then the other day, I mean, this thing has grown somewhat now, and got big old tusk coming out, and ripped the old boy's legs open, that and that, so they knew that something had to come. Well, he got down sick. And so they're going to have to put him down. <clears throat> I thought, boy, what a waste of bacon and everything, put him down like that. But anyway, uh, they was like family, this pig. So anyhow, <clears throat> she, uh, he's off fighting fires, he's in firefighting deal. And so she called me, she said, uh, Bill, could you come over and help me bury this pig? And I said, well, sure I would. And so got over there and she said, now, you think you could go ahead and dig the grave for it and maybe say a few words. I said, uh, I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher. What's people gonna think they hear me out burying dogs and hogs and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I said, there is a, there's a little uh, Catholic church down the road. Uh, do you think you could go down there and maybe ask the priest? <laughs> she said, well, I guess I could. I was prepared to pay $1,000 to have that dog, that hog bury and say a few words on it. I said, well, why didn't you tell me that was a Baptist hog? <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get a hold of that one in a little bit. <laughs> no, I didn't really tell her that. My wife told me, she said, don't you tell her that, because they was grieving anyway as it was. But I didn't say no words, but I did dig the hole, okay? <laughs> well, amen. <clears throat> well, I am sick and tired of all the politics, all the wars going on, and everything else. So if y'all are going to let me this morning, I'm just going to brag on Jesus. Is that good enough? Just brag about the Lord. So take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to the book of Luke chapter 12. Very familiar passage of scripture, Luke chapter 12. And I appreciate all of our guests that are here today. And <clears throat> some of our neighbors came in and different ones. And old Isaac came out and he said, you know, you baptized me uh, several years ago when you was an uh, interim pastor over Tonino. And uh, so it's good to see Justin and his family here too. And just different ones of you. It's just good to have all of you here. And uh, looking forward to it. Luke chapter 12. If you find it, say amen. amen. All right. Don't lose that now. 
Okay, let's all stand for the reading of God's words and show reverence to his word. Luke chapter 16, we'll start at 12 verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, look on someone next to you. <clears throat> it says, He spake a parable of them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, uh, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. One thing uh, you'll have to realize, that God had blessed this man. And uh, he didn't realize he was just a steward, he thought he was owner, but he was just a steward. That's all he was. And so he didn't take care of really what God told him to take care, gave him to take care of. And so when it came time, you know, we think we got the whole life ahead of us. We don't think we're ever going to meet the Lord. But then the night came, he says, thou fool, tonight thy soul is required of thee. I'm going to give you one verse for everybody here today. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. That is for every one of us. One day, your soul is going to be required and you're going to stand before God. So I want you to take this story this morning and let's look at it very seriously this morning as we look at it. Dear Lord, thank you for each one here today. Each one has needs. And Lord, we're thankful for every person that has come today. And I pray, Lord, that only you can meet those needs. And I pray, Lord, that there's one here that's not saved, Lord, that they will not leave this place till they know you as their personal Savior. And Lord, I just pray you'll be at those that have ailments this morning, Lord, that just need comfort and strength, those that may be sorrowing. Uh, dear Lord, just meet the needs of this congregation today. But Lord, we want to thank you most of all for your precious word. And now, Lord, I pray you'll give this unworthy preacher preaching grace and hide your word into our hearts. And we'll be careful to praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Every person here has an appointment with God. Now it's one thing to have an appointment with God. And it's another thing to have an appointment and just ignore it. Just don't want to pay no attention to it. There are four things that are said to be eternal in the word of God. First of all is God. God himself is eternal. The Bible announces in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, In the beginning, God. No argument, no explanation, and to me that is so fitting. God does not have to explain himself. God was, God is, God ever shall be, because God is eternal. The heavens above cannot contain him, much less a man explain him. Someone asked, where was God in the beginning? Well, he was in his glory. That's where he was. Before he framed the worlds, before he laid the foundation uh, of the mountains, before he poured the rivers and the waters and the streams out of the hollow of his hand, God was. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I change not. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
Some truths are so positive that they cannot be altered. And one of those truths is God. Did you know that the eternal existence of God does not depend upon man's ideas or conceptions? If all the people in the world were infidels, God would still be God. And there's nothing that can change that eternal truth. The Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When I first surrendered to preach back in the 60s, some of these theologians announced God is dead. The first time I heard that, uh, it was kind of shocking. And I said, uh, <clears throat> who killed him? <laughs> Folks, you don't kill God. You don't kill him by announcement. You don't kill him by denial. You don't kill him by assassination. God is spirit, and you worship in truth and in spirit. Well, then the 70s came along, and they said, okay, then, where did God come from then? The book of Habakkuk says he came from the hills of Teman. Teman means no place. Now, preacher, be reasonable. Well, if you just want to be reasonable about it, the reason he came from no place because there was no place for him to come from. So he stepped out when there was no place to step out on. And the Bible, you'll find this biblically true. In the book of Job chapter 26 says he hung the world upon nothing and told it to stay there. Nobody argued with him because there was nobody there. So God himself said, that's good. Nowadays, this new blue group comes along and they say, okay, if that all is true, then so what? In the beginning, God was. And now God is. I got a black preacher friend that I love to hear him preach. His name is S.M. Lockridge. Had a heart attack. He died some time back. But a tremendous preacher out of San Diego, California. And he said this. He said, God always has been is. God always will be is. So when you start talking about the eternality of God, you get your tenses all mixed up. You see, God doesn't change for the better. And God doesn't change for the worse. In eternity, God shall be. He is the eternal God. Now men come along and they would like to destroy him. But they don't know what to use for power. If you use water, he'll walk on the water. If you use fire, he'll refuse to burn. If you use wind, he'll just say, peace be still and lay down at his feet like a little puppy. If you put him in a grave, he'll rise again the third day and say, he that was dead am alive forevermore. If you try to ignore him, there's a small, still voice inside of each one of us. And it says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Folks, God is eternal. So the second thing I want you to see is the soul of man is eternal. Did you know that souls of all men are not, that all men are eternal? Not just some men, but all men. God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of race. He's no respecter of faith. Folks, if any of us get there at all, it's all going to be by grace. It's not going to be anything you and I done or anything else. God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in him the breath of life. And the Bible says he became a living soul. You were born with an eternal soul, a soul that's going to live forever. There was a time when you were not. But there will never be a time again when you're not. Nowhere in the word of God does it say the soul will cease to exist. The body, yes. 
But the soul of man is eternal. We read that the Bible says that the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all of those are going to pass away one day. Even the sea will be no more. It's temporary. But the soul of man, the real you, is eternal. And this is a truth that never does waver in the Word of God. Your soul is so precious. You know why? You know why you're so valuable, really? First of all, because of creativity. Who created you? Who created your soul? If you had a Picasso painting today, original one, it would be worth more than all these buildings, all these cars, and everything else around here. Friend, listen to me. You are God's workmanship. He's the master uh, artist today. Mankind is God's crowning work of creation. Listen to this old preacher. You're not an accident of evolution. Kids, you're not an orphan of the apes. We didn't ooze out of the ground somewhere. I like that little story they talk in Sunday school. I'm no kin to the monkey, and the monkey's no kin to me. I don't know about your ancestors, but mine didn't swing from a tree. I might have had some swing by their neck, but not by their tail. Amen. Your soul is valuable because God made you. Also, it's valuable because of possibility. What you can become. They said that Michelangelo could look at a, a block of marble and says, I see an angel in there. I'm going to set him free. God looked at you and me and our old dirty sins. He says, you know what? If I get that person saved, I'm going to set them free. Free from the chains of sin that binds us. And one day, they're going to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear a lot of these preachers talking about predestination. All these. You know what you're predestined to be? Just like the Lord. He's got a lot of work to do on some of us. Amen. God sees a potential in each one of us. I like that songwriter they have for the Sunday school. God's still working on me. I don't like you, Brother Bill. Hey, that's all right. God's still working on me. <laughs> Amen. Your soul is valuable because of durability. How long your soul is going to last? These buildings, they're not going to last forever. They're always working on these things. Your clothes are not going to last forever. Huh? Good thing, good thing, ladies. <laughs> uh, anyway, your cars aren't going to last forever. Let me tell you this. Your soul is going to last forever and ever and ever. You're going to exist somewhere forever. And you can exist a long time without really living. Well, I'll just go out and commit suicide. That's not going to end at all. All you do is just kill the body. The soul is eternal. The real you is eternal. One man understood this real easy, real good. And so he got ready for his tombstone. His name was Solomon Pease. So he had that unscribed on there. And beneath that he said, Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of old Solomon Pease. This is not Pease, it's only his pod. Old Pease done shelled out and went home to be with God. Amen? That's what's going to happen one day to every child of God. Your soul is valuable because of rarity. They say that the rarest autograph is the autograph of Christopher Columbus. The rarest stamp is a one-cent British Guiana. The rarest coin is the first silver dollar invented in Athens, Greece. Listen to me. How rare is your soul? There's only one you. No duplicates. God only makes originals. 
The psalmist says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My wife and I will just sometimes just talk to each other. We do that once in a while, you know. We, we start you know, talking, and uh, we get talking about how wonderful God made us. These bodies, even though they're frail, God made us wonderfully. Did you know you are one of a kind? You're very special. I believe that there's only one person, you, that need to be saved. I believe that Christ would have went to the old rugged cross and died for you. Your soul is valuable because of desirability. The bottom line when you get ready to sell something is, what will somebody pay for it? Ask any appraiser on a piece of property. What's it worth? Well, what somebody will pay for it. Let me tell you how valuable your soul is. The, book said, the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 8, verse 36, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, if I read my Bible correctly, your soul is worth more than all this earth, more than all the oceans, the mountains, the valleys, the gold, the silver, the rubies, the diamonds, the stocks, all the bonds. Do you see how valuable your soul is? If you really want to see how valuable your soul is, climb up into heaven and lay your ear on the beating heart of God that sent his only begotten son to an old hellish cross. And you go down that blood-drenched slope of Calvary and stretched out on that hellish cross, dying in agony and blood, is the son of God that gave his life for you to redeem mankind. And you hear him say as he stretched out, I love you this much. As every drop of blood fell to the ground that you and I could be saved by his grace. I love you that much. What a price, folks, that he gave for our souls. That's the reason the Bible says you're not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God's eternal. Your soul is eternal. Heaven is eternal. When I was a boy, it seemed like a long time ago, really. But I hear the old preacher talk about a place called heaven. Back in those days when I was just a little fella, it seemed like it was a long ways off. It don't seem that far anymore. It seemed like it might be just around the corner. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he said, oh, now, come on, Bill. Do you really believe that? Yes, I do. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Then where I am, there you may be also. Most of you know the story about Abraham and Lot in the Bible. Lot was down here, and he looked for a city a whole time uh, down here. His whole life was wrapped up down here, and he lost it all. Abraham looked for a city hereafter whose builder and maker was God. And somebody said, and he won the whole thing. Somebody said, well, why was Abraham so wise? Because he knew a lot. Amen. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Did you know if you wasn't saved, you wouldn't enjoy heaven probably anyway? There's got to be a change goes on in your life where you'd even enjoy heaven. Men through the ages have tried their very best to describe heaven. Listen to me. It can't be done. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard the wonderful things that God's prepared for his children. Some of you people are so wrapped up in gold. Gold rings, gold this, gold that. Hey, they, they use that stuff for pavement up there. Just wait till you get home up there. Amen? 
You describe heaven by the no mores. No more death. No more sorrow. No more sin. No more separations. No more tears. He says we have a building of God eternal in the heavens. One of these days these old bodies are going to fold up. Just like you fold a tent up. And we're going to move out when that trumpet blows and get those brand new bodies. Heaven is going to be more wonderful than you can even imagine. You see, heaven is the home of God. Heaven is going to be the home of the angels. Heaven is going to be the home of the Lord Jesus Christ. All these years, a lot of you have been serving the Lord just by faith. And one day you're going to walk through the gates of glory and you're going to see him face to face. See where the crown set. See where the nails pierced his hands and feet. And for the first time, you get to see him face to face. My, what a day that's going to be. The one that loved you so much and died for you that you could be saved by his grace. I've been preaching a long time. And even when I was a little boy, my folks would take me to church. I can remember some of them old saints. Boy, they get talking about heaven. Boy, they get excited. Get singing those songs about heaven. They get excited. I've seen them run around the church waving their handkerchiefs, all kinds of things. I've seen them gals get up and, I mean, I don't know if they had radar or what, but boy, uh, they could go around and around and then you open their eyes up and some of them be a ho a hollering and shouting and all these kind of things. You say, wow, they got wild. Oh, they were so excited about going home to a place called heaven. You see, folks, uh, they sing those songs like, when I can read my title clear to mansions in the sky. Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time. God's eternal. Your soul is eternal. Heaven's eternal. And last of all, I don't like to preach on this one, but hell is eternal, preacher. Hell is more than just a religious scare word. Hell is real. Oh, listen, folks. You can laugh and mock your way into hell, but you cannot laugh your way out. There is more about hell in, than there is about heaven in the New Testament. In those 27 books in the New Testament... There's four times more about hell than there is about heaven. God don't want you to go there. 234 warnings just about hell. If you were going down a stretch of road 27 miles and there was 234 warning signs out there, you'd think, hey, there's something wrong up ahead. I better look and see what's going on. Folks, there's something wrong up ahead, I'm trying to tell you. The Bible teaches that hell is a real place. It's eternal. Also, hell is the eternal place of fire. A place where the unsaved that has an eternal soul will spend eternity. Now listen to me carefully. The sad part about it is a lot of Christians that know these truths play church. Just play church. And they got loved ones at home or somewhere that are going to go to hell. Don't ever talk to them about the Lord very much. Play church themselves, not that big a deal, and all those kind of things. Friend, let me tell you something, hell is a real place. It's eternal. It's a place of fire, a place where the unsaved that has an eternal soul is going to spend eternity. You say, preacher, I, I, I just hate to hear about hell. I do too. I hate snakes. I hate rats. But you know what? They're still here. Just because I hate them, they're still here. Hell is where Jesus is not. 
Bible said the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever and ever. Hey, that don't sound like the grave to me like some people teach. There's no escape out of this place called hell. Even the bird man from Alcatraz can't get away. Well, preacher, I just don't believe in hell. That don't change a thing. You didn't write this book. You can't take it out either. That don't change a thing. Abraham Lincoln was talking to a little boy and said, Son, how many legs does that dog have? He said, Four, sir. He said, what if I call the tail a leg? He said, well, maybe five then. He said, no, it still only has four. No matter what you call it, hell is still real. And it's still in the word of God, and you can't take it out. Now then, with these eternal truths before us, I want you to consider very carefully as I close here in just a moment. Three appointments that every person here has with God. Everyone. You can't just look at your neighbor and say, well, I wonder if that. No, you look at yourself right now. The first appointment the rich man ignored was his appointment for salvation. In any relationship, there's got to be a beginning place. Man's relationship with God starts with salvation. We all come in this world with a physical birth. But Jesus said you must be born again. So there's got to be a spiritual birth. You must be born again. Well, I've always been a Christian. I was born in a Christian country. That'd be like me saying, I've always been here. I hadn't always been here. There was a starting point. I've always been married. Seemed like I've been married 56 years. But there was a time I said, I do. And I will, whatever you want. Anyway, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, though, says, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This man, God had blessed him so much. But he failed to keep his appointment with God in salvation. He had time for crops. He had time for horses and cows and cows and barns and all those things. I would say probably there's somebody here today. God has really blessed you, but you have not no time for God. You've not given God any time. Well, I'll just take my chances. You don't have a chance without God. This man had time for his jobs and everything else. See, God's made an appointment for you. He said, for God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. A holy and a righteous God has made an appointment for sinful man at the cross. That all men may be saved from their sins. Not just some men, but all men are lost and need to be saved. Man needs to be reconciled back to the maker, back to God that made him. And that only happens through the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where he says, come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. We sing the song, save through the blood of the crucified one. The Bible says, whosoever will, let them come. God has promised to meet you at the foot of the cross. Now, God has kept that promise. He sent his son he waits at the cross. He says, come to me, all you labor heavy laden, I'll give you rest. But man has forgot his appointment. Many of you have time for material things, but no time for God. That's the reason for preaching the gospel. Why are you old preachers always preaching the gospel? How that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. No other message will do. Paul said, I, God forbid that I should glory in anything else. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation 
Why? Because man has an appointment with God if he needs to be saved. Here and here alone is salvation. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got eternal salvation. He said, I am the way. Some of these theologians today said, we're a sign pointing to the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Uh, we're here to tell you the truth. He says, I am the truth. Well, we're here to point you to a better life. Jesus said, I am the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but by me. The old songwriter put it this way, there's still room at the cross. There's room for you at the cross if you've never been saved. <clears throat> then the rich man ignored his appointment with God in worship. Hebrews says, forsake not the sending yourselves together. And so much more as you see the day approaching. But sometimes we get in our mind that we don't have to go to church or don't need to go to church or whatever it may be. Folks, let me tell you something. That is a command and not an option. I, I told the church before, I, I come for three reasons, really. I come for a blessing. I come to be a blessing. But I come mostly to meet the blesser. You will never worship God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You say no to Jesus, God has no further word for you. Jesus is God's final word to mankind. But he gave us something very special. He gave us a church where we have an old preacher that will preach the Bible, preach the gospel, how to get saved, where we come together with God's people. By the way, he instituted his church while he's here upon the earth. He's the head of the church. He loved the church. He gave himself for it. Don't you think we ought to love the same thing the Lord loves? Amen? The church is made up of born-again, baptized believers. They cover together to carry out the commands of this book. Redeemed by the blood. They got a new nature inside. They meet together to worship him. The church is a local place. I'm not talking about some kind of invisible church out there somewhere. I'm talking about a local church. He said, where two or three are gathered together, I'm going to, meet that. I'm going to, I'm going to make, make that meeting. Simon says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So I was glad when he said, let us go to the house of God. Well, preacher, why do I need to go to the house of God for? It's a place of preaching. Paul told young Timothy, he said, Timothy, preach the word. Don't get up and give a little rap session. Preach the word. That's what does the work. It's a place of teaching. It's a place of service. It's a place of giving. It's a place of singing. The songwriter said this, let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. Forsake not this assembling yourselves together. Now I remember sometimes that can be hard to make that meeting, make that appointment. When our kids were small and little, Mary Jane, my daughter, sitting back there, oldest daughter, sometimes we had to start the night before, getting those shoes ready, getting their baths all taken, all those kind of things. And uh, we had, that time we got to church, sometimes we had to be there to get things straightened back out again. The rich man ignored this appointment. He was concerned about his buildings and building bigger ones and barns and crops and cattle and all that. He didn't realize he was only a steward. It wasn't his. He was not the owner. Friend, if I get this across to us today, we're just squatters going through. <clears throat> we're not owners. We're just campers. 
He ignored this appointment with God at worship. He ignored his appointment with God in salvation. But the last one he's going to keep whether he wants to or not. The rich man had an appointment with God in death. Out there beyond the planting season, beyond the growing season, beyond the harvest of crops, beyond the milking time, God had made an appointment for this man just like he has for you. The appointed man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. God had been stood up at these other appointments. He got left waiting at the cross. He got left waiting at the church. When death comes, he's not going to be left waiting there. When he calls, you're going to answer. When he says, Bill, I'm going to hear it. When he says your name, you're going to hear it. The farmer dies, and he meets God with fields still unharvested. The banker dies, and he still has business transactions left on his desk. The artist dies, and he still has figures still left unformed on the canvas. The preacher dies, and he still has sermons undeveloped yet still on his desk. You have these three appointments with God today. He's waiting for you right now at the cross if you've never been saved. He's not willing that any should perish. He says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. He stands at the door and he knocks. And he wants to come in. Well, preacher, I didn't know what church could save you. No church can save you. He says, believe in me. I didn't tell you to believe in the church. He said, believe in me. He that hath the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. How long have you kept this honored guest waiting? He promised to meet you at the house of worship. Well, I know he's there all the time. If we're saved, he's in us. But in his house, he meets you in a very special way. That's where he says, forsake not. You be faithful to the house of God. Sometimes I'll see some of these Christians, and they've got used to his presence. They don't realize they're in in a special person when they come into his presence. They've heard so many good sermons, so many good songs, and they sat there ho-hum. We've heard all this before. (coughs) And the last appointment he had with this man was at the end of his life. (coughs) God called him a fool. You know why he called him a fool? Because he left God out. It's no accident you're here this morning. God wants you to hear this. And some of you today have been playing games with your soul, with your family, all these things. And all you are is just a steward, just a camper. God's going to call you home pretty soon. It's all going to be over. And if you're not ready, he's going to say, thou fool, just like he called this man right here. Tonight. Why did it happen tonight? Thy soul is required of thee. Let's stand with our heads bowed. We'll have the invitation. Pastor, you come and take the invitation as you see fit. Dear Lord, well, thank you for your people today. Thank you for their attentiveness. Lord, for each visitor we have today. But thank you most of all for your word that warns us, that tells you love us, died for us, took our place. And I just pray, dear Lord, as the pastor comes, Takes the invitation. If there's those here today that do not know your Savior, Lord, just help them step out and come. The pastor will be right here. Other workers will be here. There may be other reasons someone needs to come. You know all about each one of us now. 
in Jesus' name. Pastor. And as the organ begins to play, I think this is a time, it's a call to worship. Worship the Lord. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Revelation 22, 17 says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Invitations out with the Spirit of God working on people's hearts, working on their souls. And the bride, the church, says to come. And whosoever will may come take of the water of life freely. just wakes very quietly and softly just a few more moments dear heavenly father i thank you lord for the message for your messenger just pray lord i will allow the word of god to continue to apply in our lives and may we who are saved take that message to a lost and dying world give up our pride our fear of rejection see you Lord we're rejected we see your apostles and disciples their message was rejected but yet there were some as may as receive you to them you gave power to become sons of God we may be joint heirs with Christ. We give you all the glory. Help us to be messengers of the gospel to others. In Jesus' name, amen.